stay at home on nine to five, raising your babies with joy and pride. A real ass mom, your real ass mom, taking care of business. Real Mama Pod, real ass mom sharing real ass experiences, the things people don't tell you. Hey, Mama. Hey, hey, friend. how are you? I'm doing great. Today's a good day. It is a good day. Mm-hmm. Today's a good day. How are you? I cannot complain. I am in a very good headspace. Beyonce dropped, and I'm good. <laughs> That's why you're in the headspace. <laughs> yeah, headspace? she got me loving life right now. Yeah, B definitely gave us the vibes. All the vibes. The positive vibes, lyrically, yes. production wise. Yes. And she's so in love right now. She is. And she getting her freak on. She is getting her freak on, <laughs> for sure. I'm not mad It was at the it. pure honey song. It's a whole bunch of songs. Uh, thick. Virgo groove. Girl, everything. What else? What other Isn't songs? It thick or something like that? Thick, yeah. yeah. Thick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's definitely getting her freak on with her husband, which is totally fine with me. Go yes, ahead, B. I can. We hear you. We see you. Complain about Living that. your life. Yeah. Freely, too. Judgment free. I'm here for it. Yes. Just show up as yourself. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what what is the tea for today? The tea for today <laughs> is back to school. Can you believe we are here? You Hell, I should be asking you that. I know, y'all. Drew is starting pre-K four. Mm. And my baby, like he's going to like a whole public school. <sighs> we get, we eventually get to this stage, right? Yeah. But it's like, damn, like my kid is really growing up. Right. I mean, and we can't walk him to class. He gets on a little shuttle bus. I mean, it's across the street from my job. But still, he's getting on a bus, doing all the big boy things. So I'm very sad about that. Yeah, I mean, rightfully so. It's like your kid is growing up. Even though we're still in the early childhood stage, it's, you know, it's pre-K-4. And it's like, shit, my kid is actually about to... Like, really starting school i know and y'all my baby so open house um Mm, mm, we mm. got a chance to meet the teachers and do all that see the school see the classroom because we cannot go with them on the first day of school so they have this open house and then the next day they have practice day so we go to the open house and my baby threw up all over the classroom he was not feeling well and i felt terrible Um, You can't control that. Yeah, he got like a 24-hour stomach bug, and the teacher was so gracious and so nice. Uh, The staff was great, but the the looks I got from the parents was not okay. Well, you know, first of all, you can't control your kid being sick, and nobody should have been looking at y'all crazy. Right, and I didn't know he was sick. Their kid could easily throw throw up, up, do whatever, and... The looks should have, girl, don't get yeah. me started. But whatever. Mm-mm. The teacher was nice, and I feel like she's a great fit, so I'm really excited That's for That's what's him to most start. important. Yeah. Damn them other parents. Yeah. You so. know what? I feel like the 24-hour stomach bug, you know how they say, oh, it's a bug going around. I feel like the bug is here to stay. Right. I don't think it's temporary. Along I with everything bug, else. Yeah, the bug has, it's been here since last fall. Right. Because remember, Eli had the <laughs> yeah, bug, we had and it then twice. he gave it to us, and then, you know, yeah, the yeah. bug is not going anywhere. Yeah. The bug is here to stay. So, yeah. but thankfully, he it happened. 
this week mm-hmm. and not next week, not yeah. during his first week of school. So right. that's good. That's a he got it out of his system. Absolutely. So he can't even go catch that bug because that bug didn't already got him yeah. last week. Now, hopefully it don't get the rest of us. I, was, I, I, I hope <laughs> not either because if y'all can't tell me and Devin are in person, yes. we're with each other. So I'm hoping you ain't got the bug. Yeah. But it's okay, friend. If you got it, we in this together, child. <laughs> the real mama pie. <laughs> we right. in this together. We literally. So what are we, we're talking about back to school, right? Yes. So I am super stoked about our guest. One, because she's my line sister. Two, she was teacher of the year at her previous district. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's on all kind of educator podcasts. I mean, she does all the things all for education. Things. She's like teacher goals. Liter- for real. Literally. She's, she was teacher of the year. Yeah. And it's, I feel like she's been in all phases of education, too. Yeah. It's not just preschool. It's not just elementary. It's not just middle. Not just high. She has tapped, even in, she's in higher education, too. Now, like, so yeah. it's like all, like the whole spectrum of education. Yep. She got all the tea on. Yeah, so I would like to introduce my line sister, Ty Quay, who is a loyal listener as well, yes. and give us all the feedback, and just, I mean, she's everything, so she is. Quay, welcome to the show. Hey, mama. Hey, hey mama. What's up, girl? I'm just sitting here laughing. Debbie, you did not tell me that the people um, was giving you and Derek the side eye. You know, I'll pull up. (laughs) (laughs) And she's the pull up queen, too. (laughs) She will pull up. (laughs) How are you, mama? I am good. Y'all know I just wrapped uh, my semester, so I'm waiting on my final of three classes right now. Mm. So I'm feeling really amped. We forgot to mention that, too. Yeah, you're working on your doctorate, right? Yes, I'm working on what should be my final degree per my husband because he said I can't go back to school anymore. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Y'all ever seen that uh, meme or gif that says when black women get bored, they just go get another degree? That's Taquay. They're not lying. (laughs) (laughs) That's not me. I'm done with the degrees. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with getting your education. So, Quay. Yes. Tell us about your journey to mamahood. Um, so I was thinking about how I was gonna like crunch it all in. <laughs> you guys know I am the queen of like um pull out and pray. <laughs> I am the queen of checking your fertility. I'm always talking about, you know, what's your cervical mucus, what's your cervix position. But before that, I was just like living the world like just you know my boyfriend now husband at the time we were just engaging in like better words unprotected sex um i went to the doctor and i was like 27 and she said you know you've never had any scares you've never had any uh-ohs you've never had any like abortions anything like that i'm like no she was like chances are you're probably infertile you know you may want to get tested and i was kind of taken aback by that because fibroids do run in my family but no one had ever had any issues conceiving but I also feel like in our community there's rarely intentional conception Mm. it's just like I'm pregnant oh shit so Mm. my boyfriend now husband decided he was going to take me on my very first cruise um I was really excited and I asked my mom mommy what do you want when I come back would you like a candle she said no I want a grandson 
And I kid you not, not even 21 days after we made it back, I got cruised out. I brought back the stowaway. I was pregnant with little Rocky for, I mean, 42 weeks. And at that point, my doctor called it because he was such a big baby. And I didn't realize it. They told me that he was going to be six pounds. But Robert was nine pounds, three ounces. Mm. We went through three hours of labor, a epidural that stopped working or was done wrong and was um, taken out. We ended up having an extended hospital stay because I had a fever and uh, infection, something that set in of the sort. But he was here. And then we got Robert Antonio Bogobasis, a.k.a. Cinco, a.k.a. Ravi. And he is just the love of um, both his father and I's life. I've always wanted to be a boy mom. I never knew if I was going to be a wife. But, mm. like, I always wanted to be a boy mom. Mm. So I'm really grateful that I got the answer to my prayer. You Aww. definitely give boy mom vibes. Absolutely. I can see boy mom. I don't think, I don't remember Robbie being 42 weeks. Baking for 42 Girl, weeks. I remember that. Um, I tried to get him out. I don't know if you remember, Devin, but I was in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. And a hurricane, it was the first time a hurricane like came at that angle and hit Tallahassee. Knocked mm-hmm. all the power out. And we were trying to get him out. We tried all the things mm-hmm. to get Robert out. And he just would not come. The power went out. I was miserable for like a week. And after that, we went in and I was put on bed rest because I rolled over and literally almost threw my back out. The doctor mm. said, no, we're going to induce you. I had to have Thervidol. I remember crying and saying, you know, I really want to go home because I want a natural birth. Right. I had like a five-page birth plan with pictures. I made a million copies, made Robert hand them out every time the people were coming in the room. <laughs> and the nurses like, were like, <laughs> and I didn't get it. At the- <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing now. <laughs> But two people, they knew. And I had the most amazing um, attending nurse because the doctor that I saw, she was actually um, a military vet. And, you know, my mom was in Kuwait. Mm-hmm. So because I was not married, when I gave birth to little Robert, my mom was my emergency contact. So once I officially went into labor, I was able to trigger the Red Cross to get her flown mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. to be there with me. And thankfully, because I ended up having an infection. But we still talked to the nurse that got little Robert here. Wow. She stayed with me. She knew I was scared out of my mind, so she extended her shift. And oh, I'm wow. just, like, I was scared out of my mind. I cried. I know you guys know Sandy. I'm sure you will eventually have her on mm-hmm. in some kind of way. But I remember video recording, like, a wheel because, you know, black mortality. I was scared out of my mind that these people were going to go and cut me and I wasn't going to make it out. Mm. So I remember calling Sandy, like, crying, they're going to cut me. What should I do? She wrote out and sent me the text of what I should say in the event of me not making it so that Robert would not have to petition to get right to his son. Wow. So, oh. yeah. Thinking about all of that while you're in labor and... Uh, <sighs> <sighs> yeah, but... It was worth it. I have not signed up to do it again. But, um, <laughs> if that's what God has for me, I welcome it. But right now, we're not actively trying. But that natural tracking, it helps you to avoid, right? you know, the window. <laughs> so I'm not like Devin. So Devin tells me, you know, at that, it's all bets off. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm hey, done. Do <laughs> she has no. made it clear that she is not birthing nobody else's kid. Nobody. <laughs> don't even speak that over me anyways uh so you we talked about you being this phenomenal teacher so like wh- how did you know you wanted to work in education like how did it even come about 
I didn't. Um, you guys know that my great grandmother raised me in Bill's Lake, Florida. Those listeners, the muck, the muck, the muck. <laughs> everybody who's at our program, we know. <laughs> um, and I was always great in school. I was gifted, high achieving, honors. When like FCAT first came out, I got a level five. I was teaching at um, Bible school at church, and everyone told me, you know, when you get older, you're gonna be a teacher. And I vividly still remember to this day telling the people at the church, no, because I don't like kids. And that is me <laughs> as a kid. I don't like kids. Right. Well, fast forward to going to FAM. I am graduating with my bachelor's in psychology. I'm one of the first in my family to go. You could consider me a version of first gen. And I had no idea that I needed to be taking strategic steps in order to ensure that from a bachelor's, I would be able to transfer that to a career. Right. So I'm doing the classes and I'm rendered the bachelor's, but now what do you do with that? How do you go about getting a job in sight? And you know, right. a bachelor's in sight is like someone saying, thank you for coming. What's next? <laughs> right. So mm-hmm. I had no idea I should have been doing like internships and signing up for, you know, graduate school. Mm-hmm. Well, my friend, um, Dr. Stroud now, because he just recently graduated, we both tried for TFA, did not get it. He found an AmeriCorps program called City Year. So City Year basically put 17 to 24-year-olds in high-need areas and allows them to serve in different capacities. New Orleans specifically needed an education course, so we were full-time tutor mentors, and I was working with the high school population. So they would give you a set of children who were identified as not cuss kids, but just we've lost all hope in them. Can you save them? And I started to work with this small group, not realizing that I was really good at this. It wasn't until the the end of the year where they started giving out awards for um, mentor of the year, tutor of the year, and purpose award of the year. And I won all three and didn't see it coming because to me, I'm just doing the hard work. You tell me these kids are not going to make it. You tell me people have given up on these kids. You don't believe in them. I'm the person that's going to make sure that they have someone to bet on them. All of my kids um, begged the teachers to bring them to the going away ceremony. And city year has this thing called Lacey, which is life after city year. Mm-hmm. I was allowed to skip the process of being enrolled in a dual master's program. So they gave us like expedited interviewing. I went flew to DC, first time ever going, interviewed, got it, and decided at the end of my 10-month service term in New Orleans, I was going to move to DC. Packed up, moved, started a dual master's program, and now I'm like, I want to be a teacher. So... That was it. It was not intentional at all. I really feel like God showed me how effective and impactful I could be. Mm-hmm. And I just kept listening for his voice and it willed me to the start of my education career there. Man, you just never know what life is going to throw at you and what that's where that's going to take you. Right. No, <sighs> not at all. So it sounds like you obviously had a presence with your students and you won teacher of the year. Like, tell us about your teacher experience. Tell us about your experience with winning that award. Like, what did that look like? What does that whole teacher experience world look like for you? Um, After graduating, so the school I was working in in D.C., um, the way the program was set up, we were, I guess you can say, interns. Because we did not get paid for the first year in the school. We were paired with a I took out private loans. And again, being the first in my family, if that's what the program is telling me I have to do in order to live, that's what I'm going to do. So we, which 
now, if you're listening and you're not sure you have some younger nieces or nephews, you're that rich aunt, be sure that you tell them to watch out for these feeder programs or the, you know, I won't name any names, but mm-hmm. these programs, alternative programs that are going to get you an education because chances are they may be um, predatory praying for loans. So I took out this loan to be able to live the first year and the school didn't have a say in whether or not they would contract you to now work for them. It was a charter school. I attribute my warm, strict manner and ability to attack any type of instruction or content placed in front of me mm-hmm. to this charter school. However, it was extremely toxic. So much so, I would contribute that environment to where I developed, like, severe anxiety. I remember calling my grandmother and, like, saying I couldn't do it anymore because our leader at the time was, like, the devil wears product of education. Mm-hmm. Anytime her car pulled up, teachers were screaming. Anytime she didn't like you, she would have you escorted out the building, like, you know, at will state. I've seen it happen. She would call security and have people escorted out. I no longer wanted to be in that environment, so I packed up my stuff and came back down to South Florida, got a teaching position there. There is a teacher test that they're in the process of redoing here. I was having a really difficult time passing. Mm -hmm. Despite having two masks at the time, I could not pass this test. Ended up losing my job because you had to pass it. And that's when I went back to school for the third master's degree because I'm like, if I can't pass it, I need to have something to do in the interim, and I want to be a stay-at-home mom. It allowed me to be able to do that. Came back when I was able to apply for another temporary, and we were down here teaching. So mm-hmm. COVID hit. And the school I worked at was, again, high needs, low income. I've always felt a connection there because I fall into a few of those categories. Mm-hmm. So when COVID hit, in my opinion, nationally, those schools were counted out. Because chances are they don't have the internet access at home. The parents don't understand the severity of the situation. I made it my business to ensure that the population we served received all the information they needed. I was using Class Dojo in my class, which was not a school-wide initiative, but because of the success of my parents making it to the school to get the computers handed out, to get all the resources that we were offering, my leadership at the time asked, why is it that your parents know to come? I told them Class Dojo. He asked me, could I do that for the whole school? And I did. We had over um, 85% of our parents go over, well over 90% of our teachers log on and use it. And for that, we were able to ensure that there was no gap. So I think that when the next year came, the staff was like, well, part of the reason we were able to be so successful and not lose all of our students was because of Mrs. Vogel's um, efforts. In addition to that, the 10 years that I was in the classroom, I was rated um, dual effective. So that's math and science, having my students exceed the state norm and also highly effective or effective with student data every year. Well, no, every year with student data. There was not a year that I taught that I did not have highly effective student data. Wow. Wow. And that's why you're a teacher. You were teacher of the year. Yes. So you were you started out in New Orleans, then you moved to the, the DC metro area, and now Baltimore, you're DC. What? Baltimore, DC. Oh, Baltimore. Oh, wow. Okay. So all yep. over the east eastern side of the United States. <laughs> that is so amazing. Yeah. Definitely deserving of the Teacher of the Year award. Thank you. It's one of my greatest accomplishments. Absolutely. Okay. So looking at your bio and just knowing you personally, like you're this 
awesome educator, right? You're great in the classroom. Mm -hmm. You connect with your students. They are high achieving students. Like you've turned non-readers to readers. Like you said, the students who are counted out, like they are counted in now because of you, right? And Mm -hmm. so one would think like, okay, you're this great teacher. Like why choose working in higher education now? Like what made you transition? What made you get out the classroom since you're so impactful. In full transparency, um, being a teacher no longer became mentally, emotionally, or physically safe for me to continue as a profession. Wow. Um, the school that I worked at, and I'm sure if you speak to any educator that comes across as being, you know, highly effective or having accolades, just to be one hundred percent clear. I have a bachelor's in psychology. I hold three master's degrees: one in K through twelve special ed, one in K through six elementary ed. My third is in educational leadership, and I'm currently working on my PhD in educational leadership. Education as a whole was never founded for it to be a safe place or profession, and from a student perspective, it was never created. I'm reading and learning and researching in America. It was never made for us to produce um, intellectuals. It was never made for a child to be safe. It was made to produce workers. I personally feel as though um, when you are someone who truly cares about more than just the data, you are a threat Mm -hmm. because you stop the individuals who may have an alternative agenda or narrative or just genuinely may not be in it for the betterment of these children. I've always had the mindset that if you are in my classroom, there are three things that are going to happen. You're going to be successful as whatever that is as defined by you. You also have an option of ending up in a grade because what I don't do could put you there. Or you could have the um, option of ending up in jail because of what I don't do could put you there. I always would tell the parents the very first day, I don't want your child's blood on my hands because children spend a majority of their time with their teachers. Mm -hmm. So, um, I set out to be a principal, and unfortunately, I was under leadership that rather than um, cultivate it and develop me, they figured out ways to sabotage um, me. The last and final straw of me um, choosing to leave the classroom, and I'm trying to mix words so it doesn't come across as like a victim type Mm -hmm. thing. Um, My husband and I were both working at the same school, and it was the first year that I was actually removed from the classroom to be a form of a coach. We enrolled our son at the school, and the teacher that he had was not used to having a child that was already prepared. Because remember, we work at a high-needs, low-income school. Right. We do not raise our child to be the standard core of what is a black child, a black little boy in America, which I'm going to show up underprepared mm-hmm. because my parents don't care. Um, she would constantly give negative feedback about him, but when I asked her to provide data, to confirm what it was that he was not doing, she never did. After school care, little Robert was unsupervised and had his two front teeth um, knocked out of his mouth due to just no supervision. Rather than the leader of my school following up with me, not only as a parent, but as a staff, it was treated as though it didn't happen. His father and I made the choice to remove him from the school. Mm-hmm. And the assistant principal at the time um, pulled me to the side and asked me, How do you think it makes the school look that you as a teacher don't care to have your child enrolled here? And my response to her was, it's none of your business what I choose to do to ensure that my child is both physically, mentally, and emotionally safe. If you were that concerned, you would have followed up. 
And I feel like from that conversation, it just became more and more unsafe. Um, Rather than me being allowed to coach teachers, as I was previously told I would do, I was reduced to being a substitute and also put on lunch duty. I had a kid pull my arm um, in an inappropriate way, and I ended up tearing a muscle in my back. So I went out on FMLA to recover from that, went to a therapist, and she told me, you know, you are severely depressed. I was put on antidepressants. She gave me three weeks off, which turned into six weeks off, which turned into almost 12 weeks off. And I prayed and I asked God that if that was not the place for me to be in or return to, because um, Brittany's husband, who was working with me to transition out the classroom the year prior, told me to leave that school because the leadership was not developing me. And he made a promise and I chose to stay there because, you know, you don't want to be uncomfortable in a new environment, but it backfired and it just was not for me. Um, I came back and they stripped me of all my duties and made a big deal about it publicly with the staff. And it was the immediate year after me being named Teacher of the Year. I don't think it was ego that told me to go. I think I just had did what I needed to do there. And that was no longer a safe place for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's wow. why I left. It was no longer safe. I'm so sorry that happened. I know. To you. Like, it literally was yeah, not, not a safe not. place for you. Physically. Mm-hmm. And obviously mentally. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So it, it sounds, what was that? Robert, he hears y'all voices. Um, Hi, Robert. Hi. Welcome to the Real Mama Pod. Hey. Hi. Hey. FYI, I, this is our first daddy crush. Right. Our daddy crush. Oh, stop it. I'm, I'm so flattered. Ooh. <laughs> dad crush. Our dad yes. crush. I want to break that up. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for joining. <laughs> Who's also an amazing teacher. Thank we you. We appreciate him so much. We do. So, Quay, you talked about your experience with literally, like, physically and mentally being in a space where it just it wasn't safe for you. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you're aware of all the teacher shortages that that's happening now. And, like, what... What do you think, um, why do you think there are teacher shortages? Like you've shared your experience, right? So I can imagine you're not the only teacher who's dealt with this, right? So like, why do you think we're experiencing teacher shortages? Is there something that, like, do you think parents could support teachers in in a certain way to keep them there? Because you're a great teacher, right? You've, you literally have the data to show that. And there's, I'm sure there are a lot of teachers who have been put in positions like you who like, you know what, damn this, I'm not, I'm done. Like I can, there's something else I can do. I can definitely, like you have transferable skills that can be taken elsewhere that have been taken elsewhere. Like I'm sure you aren't the only teacher who's dealt with this. So what, why do you think there are teacher shortages and what can, can families and school districts do to better support teachers? Um, that's a great question. And I believe that there's a teacher shortage for a combination of reasons. Um, more recently, I don't feel as though America values teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, friends who teach in other countries, they speak about just from a civic standpoint, the respect and deference that educators are given in the community. And then from an economic standpoint, they are given pay and compensation that is a livable wage. Okay. South Florida is one of the worst places that you could live as far as rent prices are concerned 
and inflation is happening right now and nothing is being done to fix that. Mm-hmm. Motions, you know, go where they say they're going to give teachers a raise. But recently there was a raise that was given here and it was like, I think, one to three percent, which then equated to maybe an extra hundred dollars on a check. Wow. And the only way that you can make extra money here as a teacher is by taking on supplements. So if I can't live and I have to have a second job to do what my primary job does not cover, that's not sustainable. So first and foremost, I believe that pay is something that could not only attract but retain Mm. teachers of um, higher quality. And then just a mindset shift, something that does not cost anything at all. It is changing the way that you view a teacher, um, we value our teachers, you know, as moms and as people in the educating world. The small things that you guys do by ensuring that when it's teacher appreciation week, you're sending a gift, you're taking the time to get to know more about the teacher. Um, what can a parent do to be a part of the change? Communicate, advocate, and be the voice for the educator. If I bring up a concern as a teacher to my administration, chances are they're going to say, oh, you're being a trouble starter. You don't necessarily want to breathe into the culture. But if a parent chooses to bring voice or attention to a concern, for example, children starting too early with a time that does not, you know, scientifically support them being at their best. There was a school here that petitioned to have a delayed start time of 9 a.m. because the parents did the research and decided that that wasn't a 730 was not an ideal start time. For them, guess what? That's one of the only schools in the area that starts at nine. Where did that change start? With the parents. Mm-hmm. Same thing with school safety. It was the voice of the parents of Sandy Hook and Marjorie Stoneman Douglas that said, hey, we need to move to a single point entry. We need to look at what it looks like to prepare these children to defend themselves. Be a voice. Be um, consistent. Communicate. A lot of the time, um, we need you to expedite certain processes. I'm sure Devin could attest to the fact Children who are special needs, a lot of time as a teacher, I would have to stick to identifying a problem, communicating to the parent that I think it is a problem, collecting six to eight weeks of data, doubling back. Then someone who does not see this kid every day looks at the numbers that I charted down and says, we can collect more data versus a parent knowing that legally they have the right to do process, saying, I feel like there's a problem. You need to test my kid. And that test could then be rendered within, you know, 48 to 72 hours, depending on where you are. Parents have a lot of power, and they don't necessarily use it well. Mm -hmm. And then school districts, I believe it's extremely important to stop um, hiring out and start promoting up. And from if you have someone that has over 10 years of effective data in a particular school setting, that tells me that you no longer need to be contained to a single classroom. You need to be promoted up. At that school, let's see whether or not you can duplicate or replicate that at your school if you can. Now I need to move you up to your particular zone of schools that are in there to see if you can duplicate, replicate, or do the same thing. And then I'm going to move you to a district level. It is extremely important also for school districts to take into consideration that um, this is not 1960s, 70s, or 80s where your suburban communities, urban communities, and rural communities all need a blanket response. Not going to happen. Within a 10-block parameter, we might have several different needs. You need to constantly consult and create a feedback cycle where we can be making changes to ensure that it's not 10 years down the line and now we fix the problem for a population that we're not serving. Mm-hmm. It, small tweaks 
But like I said, there's a lot of research out there to support that. Many districts and schools don't want to fix the problem because if the problem is fixed, school to prison pipeline, you know, doesn't necessarily exist anymore. And we all know that America moves on a whole nother system, but that's me on my soapbox. So let me <laughs> step back to Yeah, you, you said a lot there, Quay. I said a mouthful. Yeah. Um, so with that, you also have an education consulting business, right? So tell us a little bit about that. Is that the driving, your experience as a teacher, is that like the driving force for your business or how did I even come about? Um, did you feel like something was missing that needed to be added? Like what was the inspiration behind that? Um, like I mentioned earlier, I was working with Brittany Small's husband, Walter Small, who we, Small, who we had on um, our live one. And one of the um, target areas of work that he gave me when I was just sharing everything with him about what I wanted to do, short and long term goals, was to possibly consider a consulting firm. Because as an educator, you are a part of a macro system and you might have a micro concern, but you are bound to make sure that you don't do anything to disrupt the larger organization. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe in organizations per se when it comes to education. I believe in organisms, which means it's a living, breathing thing. So I needed to create a space where if I wanted to have a conversation with the parent about what that report card really means based upon the work that came home, how I can help a parent in the space and not have to worry about any reprimand, we started tutoring, but really it's more so about um, advocacy. Mm -hmm. A lot of times parents don't necessarily have the resources to ensure that their child is receiving equitable and the highest quality of education. So I wanted to make myself available to do just that. Um, one of our mutual friends, her daughter was a child that she was concerned about having a gap in her education. And she had tried several times relentlessly to get them to test her daughter or at least check and see what was wrong. It wasn't until she contracted me to come in and sit on an RTI meeting that I was able to call out the, the discrepancies and the infrequencies in her RTI data and remind them of what Florida law said as far as what that RTI process looked like. I kid you not, two weeks after she brought me in, she had a report and a plan as far as what was going on with her child. And now she's in a much better place to not become a statistic. So tutoring was at one point, but we're more so into consulting, professional development. And as we transition into the new school year, we will start to share some of the resources to make sure that parents middle to high are already starting to think about what that college track looks like and how they can secure resources no matter where they may sit as far as exposure or access. You said RTI process? Response to intervention. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yes. So uh, typically what response to intervention is, and they have different names in different states, right? But basically, yes. if a child is not responding to intervention on your typical classroom environment, right? Like, mm -hmm. say, like, we have a student who's struggling with reading, with decoding or phonics or something like that. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. uh, impl implement um, interventions and track that data to see if the student is making progress mm -hmm. towards their goal and their interventions. Mm -hmm. um, if they don't, that's kind of where I come in 
into place and look at the data, recommend more data, more progress monitoring, or say, you know what, this student may be a good candidate for testing because they may have some processing mm-hmm. deficits. Mm-hmm. And let's do the cognitive and academic testing to see if it's a processing issue or if it's just, you know, they're a slow learner or whatever the case may be. Um, gotcha. If they're mm-hmm. responding, is it the teacher? Is it them? Is it whatever? Or how do they... Uh, learn sometimes my evaluations are just basically telling the team like you're doing it this way but this student actually learns this way and benefits from that so it's just a whole plethora of things Um, but yeah that's pretty much what our response intervention is well thanks for clarifying that for me Devin (laughs) no problem (laughs) yes gotta keep around for a reason (laughs) y'all um okay Quay so um, our last question is, so we're, we're back to school, you know, we're, we're in those, hell, we're at the end of July now, early August, and everybody is prepping their kids to get back on track for school. We had to prep Devin because she just got back. <laughs> it's a lot of prepping going on. <laughs> so what tips can you give to mamas who are preparing their kids to get back into school from a teacher's perspective, right? And how can we inspire our kids to be the best they can be? Okay. So how can you prepare yourself to, and your little ones? Mm-hmm. Because it's twofold. As a parent, you need to be, you guys speak a lot about it, and I think it aligns very well with, like, gentle parenting like you spoke about. Your kid is about to go from, you know, pretty much living an unstructured life to now having to conform to what is necessary to get them up and out the house and to the school so that you don't have the people coming to you for truancy or late arrival, right? (laughs) Be on time. I got wrote up for that before. Go ahead. You want to start creating systems and procedures and structures in the home so you can practice. You know, and we joke about it in the black household, how our parents are like, you need to practice how you're going to get up. Mm. The school about to start. No, Dad. <laughs> I practiced with Dad. you and Jay that week before. We, we need to be practicing. Right. It's 8 o'clock bedtime. Mm. Lights out. I'm going to turn my stuff down. Same thing how we would, how Kelly would tell us, you know, bed, boo, book. When you have to look, you got to do the same thing with them. You also need to know and have the opportunity to practice what it's going to feel like to get them up. Because some days they're going to be ready to go and wear it. Other days, they're just going to be like, oh, God, it's taking forever. So you have to control your composure mm. because how you send your child out into that school is how someone is going to receive them. Mm-hmm. So if you upset your baby by yelling, hurry up, you need to get dressed, and your baby go to school and they have a bad attitude for the first half of the day or they don't want to engage, be mindful because somebody's not going to ask, you know, hey, how was Robbie's morning this morning? Did he have a rough time getting up? Versus saying my little black boy is, you know, a slow learner or he's not engaged and now we got this unnecessary system in place. So that practicing what those process procedures and those routines are going to look like. Um, second thing for me, don't stray away from being engaged at the school and actively involved. What does that look like for me? That's me calling to ask whether or not they're having any open house or back to school night like Devin just went to so that I let these educators and these individuals at this school know. I'm that parent. That doesn't mean I'm showing up and I'm giving you no, oh, you better not with my kid. But I need you to know that when you see that Renair, it's a whole crew behind him that's going to pull up about him and make sure that y'all are doing well by him to ensure that he's in an equitable environment. I also want the school to know that I am someone you can count on. So I told y'all about how I sent Robert to the PTO meeting to just, you know, get a feel for the school. This man come back to vice president. So, you know, people are going to treat your kid completely different 
based upon how integrated you are within the school community. Mm-hmm. If you can't physically be there, be one of those parents that anytime a teacher says that they need something on that supply list, right. yeah, I got one, but I'm spending two or three. Why? Because two or three extra, because two or three kids are not going to show up with that suggested supply list. Mm-hmm. But at least Miss Smith remembers, oh, Robbie's mom sent in three times what we needed. So let me make sure that I, you know, I show her that I'm appreciative of that. I would say be aware of what are the expectations by the end of the year for your child. No, they don't need to be doing a day one out the gate because that can also create an unstable um, learning environment. Because if I know everything, I need to know what am I going to be disruptive. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tear this thing up from the rooter to the footer. So you want to make sure that you are aware of what what's the end goal and how you can support it. Um, patience. Because just because your kid isn't getting it now doesn't mean they won't have it before the end of the year. And the same way that a teacher or someone that sits in Devin's capacity does monitor, advocate, and communicate so you can get the support that are needed if any are needed. And celebrate. You want your child to feel as though education is a prize because it is. The ability to learn and share what it is that you have can open up so many doors. So you want them to feel that education is not a chore, but something that they get an honor and a privilege to do. You you know how to put them words together, girl. I do. <laughs> I'm inspired to be all that I can be. Last <laughs> word. Oh, you got that bomb probate. <laughs> oh boy. Well, Quay, we appreciate you so much just for always being open and and vulnerable about your experience and just being a voice for education and we need people like you we really do of course, of course, of course. you're you're like that I'm teacher that fo- like people's kids remember yeah you're yeah. that teacher i told y'all about that my baby so my first fifth grade class down here um randomly i was smith before i was vocal and little robert's graduation i like live stream some of my fifth graders like from 2014 found me and like mrs vogel or miss smith i graduate did you see my prom pictures I'm like no because until they hit 18 I block them if they happen to find them <laughs> but you know live you know it doesn't filter and the kid sent me and had saved his parents asked him who do you want to invite to your graduation and he had spent the last couple of weeks trying to find me but because I had him blocked I couldn't see his messages he had a ticket for me for his graduation and Aww. I went and I saw Josh and then there was Debria, I, the same first group of kids. I don't know what God's trying to tell me, but I ran into three kids from the same class. Debria was working at Tropical Smoothie, did not have any plans, immediately gave her my phone number. I'm going to get her enrolled in community college because just sitting there is not an option. And then Amaya, I have not changed my number since I went to FAM in 06. Her mom wrote me and was like, I don't know if this is still your number, Miss Smith, but Amaya graduated and she's going to FIU. Wow. And I met her for lunch. Just to, you know, give her a hug and let her know I'm still there. So you right, Ken. Uh, when yes, I say I'll pull up, teacher. I pull up my baby. I love it. Yes, I love that. Um, so Taekwai, where can we find you? Uh please plug your personal Instagram, but also your business mm-hmm. um, for those parents who are in South Florida or wherever wherever can contact yes. you if they have any questions or want, you know, want to dig deeper. Like, where can your they find you? Your resource, so yeah. put it out there. Yes. So um, if, if you just want to follow our personal 
<laughs> um, you can follow me on Instagram at Quay, Q-U-A-Y underscore Bay Bay. B-A-Y-B-A-E. Shout out to Nola and Beyonce and this new album. I hear you with Frida in the background. Yes, um, If Frida. you would like to follow our business account, you can follow us also on Instagram at mind, M-I-D dot Bogling, B-O-G-L-E-I-N-G. And then I'm also a Twitter person. You can find me there on Twitter at B-O-G underscore M-3-D. Okay. And I wanted to, before we let you go, I want to do something a little different. Sorry, this just popped in my head. What are you doing, Devin? What are you Um, doing? For Mama's Corner, I wanted to know if we could do that first before we let Quay go because I had a question. Okay. Okay. That's cool. Thanks for letting me do this impromptu. (laughs) Usually I try to tell her my ideas before. Because they can get out there. Yeah, they can get out there. Mm -hmm. So for those who are listening for the first time, uh, Mama's Corner is a segment of our show where we connect with our listeners. So typically our our listeners would write in to us about Mama Hacks, um, any advice they may need or may want to give us, feedback, anything – Shoot, if you want to vent about your toddler or mm-hmm. your teenager or whoever you got your in your kids. house. Your kids. Even your grown kids. Your grown kids. Because we have some grown kids out there. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's our moment to connect with our listeners. So a question popped up in my head, and I really want to know what you felt about this. So the future of education, with all that is going on with the school shootings, um, social and emotional things that are going on, a whole pandemic, like Things are shifting, and they're shifting shifting fast. And when you talked earlier, you said school wasn't designed for what today's world is, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you see the future of education? And we're kind of getting a glimpse of that with virtual schooling, virtual services, even like speech and language services, mm-hmm. um, things like that. So what do you see education, let's just say in like 10 years, or the future of education, or what is your goal? Like, what do you think it should be? What do you think it should look like? So we could be effective beings. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was loaded <clears throat> and all over the place. Mm-hmm. Was well, a loaded question. Um, <laughs> Wasn't all over so the place. Okay. So um, the first thing that popped in my head, what stood out to what you said was my um, like school shooting. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that, I hated about being the teacher was going through the cold red drills. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I believe cold red drills are um, national now in the USA, but basically what happens is they'll call a cold red drill and then the kids and the teacher are supposed to go to this specific area in the classroom that is designated as the safest place. They even went so far as to put up little markers to say, this is where you should hide from the shooter. But something that they have not taken into consideration, I don't feel as though they've taken into consideration, is that you are training the school shooters to have a higher count. Because in most cases, the school shooters are the individuals in the classroom that have not received the social-emotional services to ensure that they feel safe enough or, you know, come to a resolve where they don't feel as though they need to inflict harm on self or others. So for me, out the gate, immediately in order for us to have a better school environment we need to think about the whole child mm-hmm. we need to get back to the point or we need to move forward i'm not going to say back because back would mean that we're going that moving forward we need to make sure that we are serving the whole child mm. and the whole child is not just that being that shows up in front of you it is the parents 
and the family that extends back to the home. You need to know more than just this child receives free or reduced lunch. You need to know the why behind this child needing to receive free and reduced lunch. Mm-hmm. Is it the fact that the parent does not have the support to get in the job? Can we find a community resource to ensure that the parent receives on-the-job training where they can go out and get a job to be able to create a stable home environment? We need to move to a place where why are they paying for food if this is somewhere where they need to be? It should not be a stressor that I have to go somewhere and I can't get food or they're throwing my food in the trash because my mom couldn't make enough money to pay off my balance for that. I love the unified school. And when I say unified, that means that we have designated a color shirt for our school. So, you know, the kids can, you know, have their own swag or jazz it up on the bottom. Take away an opportunity for bullying because, you know, I'm coming in designer from head to toe and you wear the uniform because that's what your parent could afford. I believe that in addition to social, um, emotional being a priority for the whole child, we need to look at what does it look like to educate diverse groups of people. Mm. I think we default to what Devin would um, call tier one instruction in curriculum. And tier one means everybody can use it and everybody can learn from it. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case because in black and brown households, those children are showing up thousands of vocabulary words behind their European counterparts, not by choice, but because my mom or dad or auntie or uncle or grandma, like I said, I was raised by my great grandmother who had a seventh grade education. So at some point she was not going to be able to be a resource to me, you know, educationally or academically. Mm-hmm. So we need to think about what does it look like to teach black children in a manner in which, you know, is acceptable. Like Gracie Corner, think about the difference between how Gracie Corner presents information and like a cocoa milling presents information. Mm-hmm. And we need to understand that either we don't have to find the middle ground mm-hmm. that is not European leaning, or we need to just consider having smaller class sizes that are able to teach these children in the manner in which they're able to learn. Mm-hmm. And then funding. We are putting so much money into jails. We're putting so much money into consumer things. We need to put that same amount of effort and energy into education. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I just like ideal- idealistically, or like a utopian education system for me, one, it's free. Because just because you're sending your kid to private school or a charter school doesn't mean they're getting a better education. So if you want to dig into that, please hit me up. Because I have parents who are paying for their kids to go to private school, and then you're trying to figure out why your baby does not know how to spell their name, come fifth grade, and it's because they lied, because you paid for the grade that you wanted to come home. Right. But you didn't know how to dig to get to the bottom of that. So, again, hit me up for that. So free. Um, and not to cut you off, private schools don't always necessarily have the special education component as well. So they do not. Yeah. Yes, and dig it even deeper. Charter schools allow to yeah. cherry pick the population that they serve. So if you have a kid that went to a charter school and all of a sudden they hit you up and told you your baby couldn't be there anymore, and they couldn't give you a why, chances are they couldn't produce the data or they didn't want to deal with the behavior. Hmm. So what they do? Excuse your baby and send them back to public school, which is why then public schools are taxed. Because they get an influx of kids prior to testing season because the charter schools don't want to deal with the negative impact of that on their school grade. Mm-hmm. It's so many layers to it. Um, wow. So then curriculum. And then um, higher quality educators. Mm. If you're paying attention right now due to the teacher shortage, they're taking any and everybody. Yeah. 
I just said it to you. I was a highly effective teacher who did not pass Florida's teacher certification test until my ninth or tenth year in education. But now, because of the teacher shortage, all you need, in some cases, in some counties, they're moving to a high school diploma. They also have this recent law that passed that said that if you are the spouse of someone that was in the military or in the military, you had a pass of it, you can now just enter a classroom. What? Everybody does not have Everybody does not have the same mindset of Jared. So think about those people who have a history in the military that are now getting to pop up and say, I'm ready to educate or serve. What do you think is going to happen to your black or brown baby sitting in front of that person? <clears throat> I didn't know that. Yeah. I got to look that up. That's, we oh, that's just anybody. Just go. yeah, high school diploma. Yes. It's just Every, so much that goes into skill, education that a, you you need training mm-mm. for. You can't just show up and say I'm up. here to teach your kids. Like yeah. these are kids, people that you're sending out into society yes. to be whoever they want to be. Exactly. And the training of the educators should definitely be there. We should not. I saw I saw something about substitute teachers being able to have a high school diploma. I didn't realize it was um, teachers too. I encourage all of your listeners to just pause and just Google job fairs, like teacher, like school job fairs that are happening in your area. I think they had well over 1,200 or 1,500 vacancies. Oh, my gosh. So class numbers are getting ready to be high. That's another thing to consider. Go. That's that's something else I want to tell your readers. Don't say, hey, I'm going to come. Well, not readers, listeners. Oh, I want to schedule a conference or a tour. Before you see your baby, just pop up. Mm-hmm. Pop up and demand the tour before you enroll your kid in the school. Also, don't always trust everything that an educator tells you. Sometimes teachers lie on kids because some of the worst people make their way into education because they want to have control over something or someone. And they may latch on to um, children. Yeah. So, I, I It's scary. Make, but it kudos is. to all the great teachers out there. Yes. Like, kudos to y'all. Stay in the fight. I appreciate and love y'all. And, Absolutely. Um, we need y'all. Definitely want to give you your flowers. And mm-hmm. I know we have a lot of teacher, educator, listeners as well. So thank you for all that you do. And good luck this school year. I know. It's that's what we need the mama juice to yeah. prep us for Go the ahead. school we'll, year. We'll, we'll be drinking. We might as well keep Quay on. Absolutely. At this point. So today's drink was quietly, like indirectly, Quay had some influence on it. So there are two things. Ooh. Y'all know I'm always coming with the why. <sighs> Anyways, so Ty Quay loves tacos. And I feel like every time she has tacos, she has a margarita or something. So today's mm-hmm. mama juice is called back to school because we're prepping for back to school. And one thing about summertime, right? You, I feel like I always had popsicles when I was a kid. Yes. Like popsicles were a staple mm-hmm. in the community during the summertime. Yes. So I'm merging two things. I'm merging Quay's love for tacos and tequila. I mean, I'm just saying that tacos and tequila. And the end of summer, like we're ending the era of the popsicle. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put those mm-hmm. together and we have our cocktail. So it has. Three ounces of tequila. This is like a popsicle margarita mm-hmm. vibe, if y'all can't tell already. So three ounces of tequila, one ounce of water, two ounces of club soda, and a lime popsicle. So it's like a popsicle margarita. 
You put the popsicle in that drink, too, if y'all haven't mm-hmm. peeped that. So, yes, that's the cocktail version. Now, for our mamas who are expecting, your drink's a little different, but it's also the same. So it gives you a margarita vibe, but there's no tequila. So we have a half a cup of limeade, a fourth a cup of orange juice, a fourth a cup of lemon-flavored sparkling water, and a lime popsicle. And that's the mocktail version of Back to School. Love it. Oh, I'm it's, it's really tasty, too. It's, it's really tasty. So <laughs> I got to taste this one, and it's, it's really good. Yes. So that's, that's our mama juice for this episode. Back to school. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to try again. You go ahead, girl. Yeah. Well, Get thank you, you for joining with. us. We'll definitely have to have you back. And Absolutely. have more discussion about higher education and where you are with that. Um, and let people know that that's an option as well. Um, you don't always have to be in the classroom. So we really appreciate appreciate you taking your time out your busy day to chat with us. Uh, we had to reschedule because Drew did get sick, but Quay was very adaptable, just flexible teacher, and understanding teacher at the core. Just yes, understanding. Transferable skills, baby. <laughs> teacher, flexible. Yeah. Well, friend, where can our people find us at? Uh, they can find us wherever they'd like. <laughs> <laughs> so we're on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Twitter, all those social media sites. Yes, and our tag is at the Real Mama Pod. And if you want to find us personally, I'm at Kendra Ferg. That's K E N D R A F E R G underscore. And I'm Dev Grace D E V G R A C E underscore on Instagram. And don't forget, we have Mama merch at therealmamapod.com. Yes. Uh, if you want to email us for Mama's Corner, you can email us at mama at therealmamapod.com. Y'all, I'll be checking that email. So email us, okay? That makes my day. Yeah, she does. And most <laughs> importantly, like, write us a review. Like, we got a few reviews. So wherever you stream us from, just, you know, show us some love. Yes, and pop a little write review, us a review Send to your family, friends, you know, foes, hoes, woes. I think we went through that before. Foes, hoes, and but <laughs> Send us oh, to your auntie. <laughs> whoever. Whoever may benefit. Just, you know. Just slide us some love. We appreciate it. As always, this was a good time. Yes. Thank you again, Quay. Thanks, we love Quay. you so much. And keep doing your I thing. Love y'all. <laughs> do. y'all know I got the baby, so let me know what you need. Of All right. course. We'll talk to you later. All right. Stay at home on 9 to 5. Raising your babies with joy and pride. A real ass mom. You're real.